you can hear this message, listen closely. To the exiled, misunderstood, or upside down, this is your message of hope. When problems come, use them. When enemies persecute you, love them. These struggles are a fire, refining you into gold. Look around. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. Challenge what is expected of you. This world is not your home. You are different. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our uh, in-person and on-demand services. Last week, we began uh, our series uh, in the book of First Peter, and what we found as we began, was that Peter was writing to oppressed, abused, and persecuted followers of Jesus, living under the tyranny of the evil Roman emperor Nero. These people faced unimaginable circumstances, and in the midst of their suffering, Peter reminded them that they were different. This place was not their home, and we will face trials, setbacks, and heartaches, and we would do well to remember that this place is not our home either. We said that trials, mysteriously as it might seem, can actually be a good thing. You see, they reveal the genuineness of our faith and trials can actually draw us closer to our Heavenly Father. If we have a faith, however, that is not genuine, maybe we're just trying to impress someone or keep mom or dad off of our backs, that faith will eventually collapse under the pressure and demands of this life. If our faith is conditional and we're only following Jesus so long as you know, He meets all of our needs and isn't too demanding, well, eventually the trials and the setbacks and the heartaches that we will face in this life will reveal the emptiness of that kind of faith. Last week, we said that a tested faith is a trusted faith. And that's 100% true. And if our goal is to follow Jesus with all that we have, for as long as we have, trials can help us do just that. This world is not our home. And because this world is not our home, we are called to be different. With that in mind, let's jump back into 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a Father who judges each person's work impartially, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Now let's take a minute and unpack what Peter is saying in these verses. First, he encourages these followers of Jesus to be alert and fully sober. Now I want, I want to be clear, I don't think Peter is making a statement here on drinking alcohol, though some preachers in, you know, throughout history have used this passage and kind of pulled it from its context to suit their views. Yes, one can drink to the point that they are no longer sober and alert. But what Peter is describing here is a mindset that is calibrated to the things that are important to Jesus and possessing a sensitivity to His leading. 
Let me put it another way. Alcohol, surely, is not the only way that we can become reckless and unsound and insensitive. Peter is addressing our focus as followers of Jesus. And there are many good things that often compete for that focus. Many followers of Jesus allow themselves to get distracted by the demands of work, by the responsibilities that they have at home, by the clamor of politicians, and by the noise presented in the nightly news. Working hard is important. Maintaining a healthy family is important. Being a good citizen is important. But when these important things creep into the foreground of our thinking and become ultimate, we are setting ourselves up for disaster. We need our minds to be dialed in or calibrated to Jesus. And according to Peter, our hope set on the grace that is ours in Jesus. Why do we need our hope set on the grace of Jesus? Well, because no matter how good you are at work or in the office, one day you're going to fall short. No matter how intentional you are at home, you're going to miss the mark sometimes. No matter how much a politician may promise you and you know how much you think your life is going to get better because of them, eventually, politicians are going to let us down. Fact is, if we aren't focused on Jesus with minds that are set to His grace, we'll only be a shadow or a shell of our true selves. Think about it like this. Whatever you want to be great at must first be offered to Jesus as an act of worship. So if you want to be a great employee, you want to be great in the office, you want to be great at work, work like you're working for Jesus. Want to be a great spouse? Remember that that relationship with your spouse should reflect the relationship that Jesus has with His church. Want to be a great citizen? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is what it looks like to have a sober and alert mind. Everything we do is filtered through the lens of how does this honor Jesus? And where I fail, thank God for the grace that is offered to me because of Jesus. Then Peter throws down the gauntlet for those of us who are serious about following Jesus. He says this in verse 14, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For too many Christians, this is the greatest obstacle to actually following Jesus. For too many, the desire is so strong and the current is so powerful that they stop swimming and start just kind of going with the flow. The shoreline of our faith can be eroded by the waves of public opinion and by the schemes of our enemy. But Peter's message here is clear. Followers of Jesus are different. You were not created to fit in. You were created to stand out. God never asks us to blend in. In fact, Jesus set us apart. That's what holy actually means. Set apart, dedicated, different. But for too many Christians, the goal is not different. The goal is normal. We don't want to be labeled a radical or a freak or a fundamentalist. And so we hesitate to take a, a stand on the teachings of Jesus because we don't want to be called names, and we don't want to become the targets of attack. But this is precisely the climate in which Peter was writing. 
He wrote to followers of Jesus under attack because they chose to live different. And let's be honest, is normal really that great? I mean, normal is broke. Normal is worried and anxious. Normal is stressed and afraid. Normal is angry and divided and deceitful. Does this really sound better than different? Is this a more appealing path? Peter would answer, no. And his advice in verse 15 is, be holy because Jesus is holy. Then he quotes the Old Testament book of Leviticus, where in chapter 11, verse 45, God reminded the children of Israel that they had been rescued from slavery in Egypt to be their God. So, be like Him. Be holy. Be different. God has rescued us from slavery as well. We were all slaves to sin at one time or another. We've all been prisoners held for ransom. And like the Israelites, we've been rescued from our captor, so God desires for us to be holy. The 19th century Scottish theologian John Brown explained holiness like this. He said, Holiness does not consist in mystic speculations, enthusiastic passions, or uncommanded stringency. It consists in thinking as God thinks and doing as God does. Unfortunately, when our minds are not alert or calibrated and sober, we become fixated on work, on family, on politics, on the news, on the game, on the trip, on the challenges, and on the noise that surrounds us. And we can get distracted and we can get confused. A December 1994 article in the Washington Post sums this confusion up perfectly. The uh, brief Lois Romano article begins like this. It says, Former Redskins quarterback Joe Theismann is getting sacked again, this time by a petite one-time Miss America finalist. Theismann's second wife, Jenny Caruso Theismann, took him to court yesterday to seek a divorce and half of her husband's estimated $5 million fortune. And it already sounds juicy. In Loudoun County Circuit Court, Jenny's attorney, Mark Bondris, reminded the court that Joe, who separated from Jenny in January, had been seeing a Memphis cosmetic sales clerk since April of 1993, which Theismann admitted on the stand. Bondris also said in his opening statement that when Jenny asked Joe why he had an extramarital affair, he said, and I quote, God wants Joe Theismann to be happy. When our minds are fixed on the things of this world rather than calibrated to the grace and goodness of Jesus, we can start to believe that God has actually said to be happy rather than to be holy. When we start to believe that God's top priority is our happiness rather than our holiness, we will find ourselves dangerously mixed up. It's here that a lack of clear thinking can cause us to make decisions the way that a drunk person might. When we get this fundamental idea mixed up, that God cares more about our happiness than our holiness, we start looking like staggering, stammering drunks and start making decisions like those who can't quite get the key in the door or remember where they parked. Those who aren't happy in their marriage or at their jobs, they just leave. Those who aren't happy with their stuff, they go out and they buy things that they can't afford. Those who know they should wait until they're married to have sex, ignore God's healthy boundaries 
for relationships and sabotage the intimacy for which they were designed. None of that makes sense when we're thinking clearly. But when we start to believe that our happiness is more important to God than our holiness, we are no longer thinking soberly and alert. Remember too, our enemy is is subtle and he's sneaky and he flies just under the radar. He'll appeal to our vanity and our vulnerability, not the vanity and vulnerabilities we wish we had or the vanity and vulnerabilities of our neighbors. He'll say things like, did God really say you shouldn't watch that show on Netflix? I mean, it's not like you're going to go out and imitate the things they say or do. Did God really say you shouldn't post that burn on social media? It's not like they don't have it coming. And oh, by the way, you're right. Did God really say that you should be in worship? I mean, you're busy and it's not like you can't sing songs to Him anywhere or read that Bible of yours at any place. Sadly, when Christians try to fit in, they are far less likely to stand out. When we go with the flow of culture, we shouldn't be surprised when we're swept out to sea. Followers of Jesus can't throw in the towel and stop pursuing godliness. Holiness matters, and Peter tells us why beginning in verse 18. He says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but by the precious blood of of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. So, why does holiness matter? Holiness matters because we were bought with the blood of Jesus. He was perfect, and He chose to die for you and for me. Remember, we were once slaves, and His sacrifice set us free. Our holiness matters because we were worth sacrificing for. As we close out this morning, I want to leave you with one critical thought, and it's this. Living holy is not the way to Jesus. Living holy is not the way to Jesus. Jesus is the way to living holy. Don't believe me? Give it a shot. I'd be willing to bet that before you lay your head down on your pillow tonight, you will have sabotaged any chance you had at being holy. Maybe with an unkind word or a a mean thought. I'd be willing to bet you that we couldn't go 18 hours trying to be holy on our own because we're broken. And we live in a broken place. But thankfully for us, holiness is not the way to Jesus. Jesus is the way to holiness. It's when we follow Him that along the way we find ourselves becoming more and more different, more and more like Him, more and more holy. And on top of that, when we fail, we have the grace of God lavished upon us through Jesus. Living holy is not the way to Jesus. Jesus is the way to living holy. And what's amazing about Jesus is that He'll welcome anyone who wants to follow Him. He wants us to be holy because He rescued us from slavery to sin. Followers of Jesus are set free. And if you've never decided to follow Him, you can do so today. The Bible is clear that our first step in following Jesus is repenting of our sins and being baptized or immersed 
Peter tells us that this is not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. If you've never done that, or you just want to know more about following Jesus, I want you to know that we're here for you, and we'd be willing to answer any questions that you might have. I'm going to pray, but as I pray, remember, you are called to be holy. You are called to be different because you have been rescued by Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for pursuing us in Christ. Help us to embrace holiness. Help us to resist going with the flow of culture and risk being swept out to sea. Father, help us to take a stand on your word so that others might come to know you and that we might make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We love you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.